vessels. Amen? And, um, and then, of course, uh, Father wants to bring that earthen, trezel, earthen treasure to the surface in our lives. Um, Donald Ballard, we had a brief conversation before church, and, and the answer is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that lives inside of us rushing through us into the world around us. This is that river of life that the Bible speaks um, about as belonging to those who are in Christ Jesus. And in these parables in Matthew 13, just let me get a few things off the top of my heart right quick and then we'll dig into this. Jesus gives us eight parables in a row. And at the end of the last parable, in verse 52 or 51, he asks his disciples, he says, now, have you understood all of these things? And they said, yes. And they were giving him an honest answer, but clearly there was a lot for them to understand that they didn't understand yet. And Jesus said this, he said, that a scribe well-trained in the kingdom is like a householder who is able to bring out of his treasure things both old and new. The message translation says he's like the owner of a general store who can put his hand on anything that anybody needs anytime that they need it. Amen. So a scribe is a lot of things in the scriptures, but one of the things that a scribe is in its most basic definition is a scribe is a writer, a writer, one who writes. And so I'm, I'm before you this evening as one who writes, as a scribe, but I am, with the Holy Spirit's um, help, uh, drawing on treasure that He has put in me, amen, to bring forth from me to you. And, and I'm not, you know, Paul said he magnified his ministry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not magnifying myself. I'm just trying to help you understand What's, what's going on uh, up here uh, tonight and how the Holy Spirit is going to help us. Amen. Now, this particular verse, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The same passage uh, from Amplified verse 1, be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children, imitate their father. And so we see that on the surface, this, you know, appears to be impossible. And how, how can we ever imitate God? Who are we to even dare think that this could ever be accomplished or fulfilled? But remember, we didn't write this. Father God, by the Holy Spirit, put this in the scriptures. And these are instructions and commandments for you and for me. Now, there's a couple of conclusions, and we focused on these last week. So let's just quickly r- review we said that if Father was to command us to imitate Him, He evidently knows of potential that we have that we may not yet understand about ourselves, okay? And that He would instruct us to do this, but never intended for us to accomplish it apart from Him or without Him. In other words, the only way we could ever imitate Him is if He was to come on the inside of us and, and assist us in doing that. Now, and that is, of course, exactly um, what he is referring to in 
these verses. And so there's a phrase that the Lord gave me many years ago, and it's one that we refer to, reference a lot around here at Heritage, but even more so the last few times we've been together on Wednesday night. And we say it a few different ways, but here it is in this form. The goal of discipleship is the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. The inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. And some of the verses that we've looked at out of Second Peter where we see that through the new birth, we've, we've become a partaker of the divine nature of God. We have become a partaker. Partake means to have equal share in. We have been given by God an equal share in His nature. See, th- this is the inward reality of the new birth. The Bible says before our salvation, we were by nature children of wrath. We were the offspring of, of judgment. We were the we were children of disobedience. We, 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 were, uh, we were born into sin, not because of the sin we committed, but because of the sin of Adam we received that nature. But now through the new birth, and that was what we celebrated at Easter, and hopefully you celebrate it every day since and will continue to celebrate. It was the, it was the burying, the death and burial of our old nature and the, the resurrecting with Jesus and a new nature, the divine nature of God being placed within us. And so the divine nature of God is the inward reality of the new birth. Stay with me because I know some of you are like, well, what in the world is he talking about? No, 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 listen now. Um, maybe we'll talk more about this in the days to come. But let me just answer, or let me just ask you and answer for you a few questions concerning this concept of a reality. I don't want you to way overthink it. Reality, you can get philosophical, you can get um, uh, you know, scientific. There's, there's all kinds of ways to look at just the concept of, of reality. What I'm asking you to consider is reality in its simplest form, and that's what's really real. Reality is what's really real, okay? Now, have you ever heard the expression, perception determines reality? See, how you perceive something is going to determine your reality. But really and truly, perception does not determine reality. What's real is real, whether you are aware of it being real or not. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So your perception of a situation is going to determine what you think is real, and we respond based upon what we think is real in any situation. Okay, So perception, just to say perception determines reality is wrong. But your perception of a situation, of a relationship, of a problem, what that determines your reality within that that uh, issue. Okay, and if your if if your perception is wrong, you're going to be functioning from a position of wrong reality in that situation. In other words, you're going to be acting like something's real that's not real. Amen. And that's obviously nowhere we want to live or be. But now watch this for a moment. The point is, the divine nature of God is the inward reality of the new birth. Meaning what? Meaning if you have been born again, you right now have the treasure in your earthen vessel of the divine nature of God. He's in you now. Okay? So, a couple of questions. Do you have to be aware of something or understand it for that thing to be real? No. All kinds of things we don't know anything about and don't understand that are a hundred percent real. Can something be real then that you are not aware of or know nothing about? 
Yeah. And since a reality is based upon what's real, this means that there can be something that's real that you don't know anything about, you don't understand anything about, but because it's real, that means it's a reality that you don't understand anything about or know about. Okay? What about the opposite? Can something be unreal, not real, but affect you as if it is because you think or believe it's real? Absolutely. We've all been there, right? We have a word for that. It's called deception. Okay, so we believe it's real. We're acting like it's real, and it ain't real at all. So we're living then in a false reality. Some folks have carried false reality so far that they're in an alternate reality, but they're right here among us. Okay? You ever, you ever said of somebody, they're in their own little world? Okay, yeah, okay. So they're in their own little world. But now, why am I asking you all of this? I'm, I'm trying to show you this because it can be real that you are a partaker of the divine nature of God and because you've never heard that, nobody's ever told you that, you don't know anything about that, you don't understand that, right? You think, well, that can't be real about me because I don't know nothing about that. No, no, see, again, if you're born again, that's the reality. That is the inward reality of the new birth. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now living on the inside of you like a river, like a fountain springing up, but, you know, you're oblivious to it. Because you're not aware of the reality. You have no perception. You're not aware of these truths. So what am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that Father created a new reality inside you through the new birth. The inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. In other words, for the reality that's inside of you to begin to work its way through you and out of you, affecting the reality that is around you. What's real on the inside of you changing what's real on the outside of you. Because what's real on the inside of you is eternal, but what's real on the outside of you is temporary. And because it's temporary, that means it's subject to change. It can be a fact, but not be the truth. It's a fact that it was cold this morning, but it was a fact that it was not cold later today. It's a fact that it was cold this morning, but it's going to be nearly 90 degrees on Friday. The difference between what's factual and what's true is that a fact cannot change the truth because a truth never changes. Truth is eternal. Facts are temporary. Uh, An eternal truth can change a temporary fact. What's inside of you, the reality inside of you is eternal and it can change anything around you that's temporary. Amen. Amen. All right. So the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. If we had to use one word to sum up the divine nature of God, it would be love. Because we are partakers of His divine nature, we have the ability to love others as He loves us. Remember, Jesus said, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you. Not love your neighbor like yourself. Love others as I have loved you. Loving them with the same love. That's like imitating God, right? If God's love, then... So be imitators of God as your children and walk in love. Now... 1 Corinthians chapter 13 gives us those 15 characteristics of the love. And I'm really tempted to go back through those tonight, but I've got another target I want to hit. So I'm going to drop down. After he gives us, you know, this explanation and he talks about what's present now versus what will be present later, He then gives us this connection. 
He talks about growth and development. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, this word man is particularly important here because he's talking about maturity. Remember that word perfect that we've looked at so many times, gosh, all the, you know, starting all the way back in, into 2021. Um, we, we talked about Father God saying that, we, that, that those who practice love like he practices love would be perfect as he's perfect. He's not talking about perfect as in without error. He's talking about fully developed. He's talking about growing up into Jesus by growing up into love, okay? And so he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I understood like a child, I thought like a child. Now, what is not stated here but is specifically implied is that he also behaved like a child. Because you can never think like a child, understand like a child, and talk like a child, and behave like a man. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? And so when, he, when, he, when he's saying this, he's talking about um, a process of growth and development and maturity. Now, we've mentioned this, and, and in, in the days ahead we will get into it in greater detail, but I love what the Holy Spirit said to the Apostle Paul, to, the, to, to us and the Ephesians. He said that we're growing up into Jesus. Galatians, he says, we've put on Christ. Ephesians now says, he's, says that we're growing up into Him. All right? And so this ultimately means that, that, that to, to go from one who is a spiritual infant to a spiritual child to a spiritual adult, is the, the ultimate goal of that then would be to grow up into Jesus in all of these things. Now, he goes on in verse 12, he says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, right now, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, let me, and, and I, listen, um, I was doing some writing today uh, related to some of this, and, and one of the big problems that we have in the body of Christ today is is we think we know, and therefore when God tries to speak to us about certain areas and things in our lives, we get ahead of Him and, and start amening Him and saying yes to Him without ever really listening to Him. I, I call it letting what you know about a subject, a verse, a scripture, a doctrine, a teaching, letting that keep you from learning what you don't know or what you need to know about it. And this is a rampant problem in the body of Christ. And, and so what happens is you, you realize that there's only one truth, the truth, Jesus, is, he's a person. But his word is multi-layered. His word is, is, is um, uh, the word that's used by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in the, to the Ephesians is the manifold wisdom of God. And again, layers to the onion that you peel back, multi-layered, multi-dimensional. And this is why 1 Corinthians 8 and I believe it's verse 2 says, if any Man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it, okay? Just a real beautiful, poetic, impactful way to say, be teachable, be open, allow the Holy Spirit to, to show you a new perspective on things. Now, I've been told my whole life that these verses are referring to the day we cross over to the other side, and it's on that day that, that we will uh, see face to face, and it's on that day that we'll go from knowing in part to knowing as I'm also known, right? And, and listen, I don't disagree with that interpretation of this verse. But if you look at this verse in light of other related passages, 
okay? We see another application for it, and that is our growth and development um, incrementally in degrees, um, faith to faith, glory to glory, here a little, there a little, moving, developing, um, increasing, maturing, growing up into, right? Um, Not just when we step over into heaven, but for right here. Now, Jesus would use this expression, and it's such a beautiful expression. He would say, um, that which is to come and now is. That which is to come and now is. We can even see this in in a negative sense, right? When I say negative sense, I mean it's truth, but... There was a big stir in the, in the early days of the church that we're all a part of, the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that the Antichrist was alive and well on planet Earth, okay? And that theory's been floated around for decades. Um, Ronald, um, what was his middle name? Somebody help. Wilson Reagan, right? Ronald has three letters in it. Wilson has three, I'm sorry, Ronald has six letters in it. Wilson has six letters in it. Reagan has six letters in it, okay? People said he's the Antichrist, 666, there you go, right? So there's been this craziness all throughout church history, okay? But what did John the Beloved say? He said, no, the Antichrist didn't hear yet. When he's here, you'll know it. But the spirit of Antichrist, the attitude, the mindset, the demonic spirits that will ultimately influence him, they are here, okay? So that which is to come and also now is. So is there coming a day when we step over into heaven, will we see more clearly than we ever have before? Yes. Will we know more fully then than we know right now? Yes. Okay. But does that mean we can't know more than we know right now? No, that's not what that means. That means we can see more clearly. We can uh, grow and develop and know more about our true self and true identity created in Christ Jesus in true righteousness and holiness than we knew yesterday. I got the right bunch now, don't I? So I want, you to, I want you to think of what he's saying here. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. There's coming a day when it will be crystal clear. And a shout out to my mom and dad watching at home, as my dad likes to say it, it'll be crystal clear. And crystal clearer is clearer than crystal clear. Just for a saying, okay? So it'll be crystal clear. But that doesn't mean it can't be more clear three days from now than it is right now. Okay? So now I know in part. How many of you know a bigger part today than you knew six weeks ago, six months ago, six years ago? We still only know in part. Nobody knows it all, right? The one who does know it all lives inside of us. Okay? All right? And so that's a whole other sermon for another day. But again... Nobody has cognitive recollection of it all. But here's the beautiful thing about it. Father doesn't doesn't intend for you to know it all right now. He wants you to trust him to lead you and show you and tell you what you you need to know when you need to know it. Trusting in him. Because he knows what we all know already. Are you ready? What what he knows that we all know? That nobody likes to know it all. Amen? Right? Okay. I don't know it all, but I know the one who does. I don't know it all, but I know the one who does. And if I ever find myself in a situation where I need to know something in that moment that I don't know already, he'll tell me. And if I need to know something now that's going to happen three weeks from now, he'll show me things to come. He'll tell me now. Right? Now, that's no excuse for me just to be lazy and not, and not keep my face and my heart in this book. But again, abiding in him is, is, is the answer to all of this anyway. 
All right. So with this whole talk of seeing in a mirror, what is he talking about? Seeing in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So he's talking about seeing the reflection of who you truly are. And what's true about you right now, he's talking about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life so, so that it's visible. So, so that, 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 you know, again, it's something that you can experience and enjoy, but, but, but not just so that it'll change your life. My friend, Father was thinking about much, much more and a much bigger picture than just my little old life and your little old life changing. He's wanting to use our lives to change the world. Got too excited there, didn't it? To change the world. Amen. Okay. So there's this interesting connection then between our growth from child to adult and our reflection in this mirror, our ability to see ourselves the way he sees us already. The ability to see what's true about us, this inward reality, what's real now. Remember, so many of God's people have no idea. They they don't, I mean. That's what he's talking about here. They look in a mirror and they just see an old sinner slave by grace. That's all they can see in a mirror. That ain't even, that's not even who they are. But they look, in, they look in the mirror and that's all they can see, sinner slave by grace. Just trying to make it to heaven. See, that, that's all they can see. So what threat... Are you to the devil if all you can see true about your immorality of the new birth is that you're just an old sinner saved by grace? I heard Creflo Dollar say, he, he said, well, he says, he goes, which one of your lost neighbors wants to be a sinner saved by grace? It's like, well, if you're just a sinner saved by grace, I'm a sinner not saved by grace. What's the point? I'll just be a sinner and not have to do the whole church thing. That's all you are. See, when you start seeing, when you start looking into the mirror of God's truth and you start seeing yourself as someone who has the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of you, now, see, you start becoming quite a handful for the enemy. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, all right? Now, it says this, Now, the Lord is the Spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is one of the most important, there's a lot of important verses. This is one of the most important verses in the Bible when it comes to the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. He's telling you right here how that process takes place. And it takes place by beholding in a mirror with an unveiled face. What is an unveiled face? An unveiled face means taking the masks off. Quit, quit pretending you're something that you're not. Quit. I've got it somewhere deeper in my notes. Remember, spirit, soul, and body, you've got your true image who you really are, how heaven sees you right now, the version of yourself that is the true version that you will one day see face to face, right? 
uh, on the other side, clear, crystal clear, okay? Then you've got your self-image. That's how you see yourself right now. That, that resides in your soul, your mind, emotions, and will. So you've got who you, your true image, and the Bible says this is, again, this is that inward reality. This, this is the, the new man who was created. The Bible says it this way in Ephesians 4, true righteousness and holiness, okay? So that's, that's your true image. But then you've got your self-image. That's how you see yourself, okay? And then you've got the one that corresponds with your outward man, your projected image. This is how you want everybody to see you, okay? So you got how God sees you, you got how you see you, and you got how you want other people to see you. I've said it before, I'll say it again. No wonder folks are so confused, okay? Now, when he says, are being transformed into the same image. He's talking about an ongoing progressive work. He's saying literally the more we are able to look in a mirror and see ourselves in light of his glory in us. Big words, we'll break them down the more we will be transformed outwardly to his inward image. I feel some of you slipping away. Now, come on, come on, come on, come on. Resistance is real, hashtag. Devil don't want you to understand this. Listen to me. It's his worst nightmare that the body of Christ starts understanding this, okay? He's not talking about looking into a mirror and only seeing thoughts and concepts about your inward image, your true image. He's talking about you literally being able to see in a mirror. In other words, this is the inward reality. Come on now. The inward image becoming the projected image. God bless you. Stay with me now. Stay with me. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, I'm almost out of time. Let me, can you, you've got just a couple more minutes. This is how the Holy Spirit, and he, man, he is so genius. Oh my goodness. Brilliant. See, I don't, full disclosure, that second song we sang, I had no idea they were going to sing it tonight, okay? But a friend of ours wrote that song 20 years ago. And he wrote that song, the way it used to work is, is we would be in a sermon series, as you well know from being around here for a few weeks. Yeah, we, we'd be in a sermon series for a while, and Tom or Matt or somebody would write a song that went along with the sermon series. And so a lot of these songs that we sing that you've never heard anywhere else, that were, because they were written here, okay, um, were inspired by things the Lord was saying to us as a family of faith. And so however many years ago, you know, um, I took some swings at these verses, and and, uh, but I, I see, I see more now. I only saw in part then. I see a whole lot more of the parts now. Okay, been looking in that mirror, been polishing that mirror. Okay, all right. And this is how the Holy Spirit, see, back in those days, I would just try to say glory. And, and it's such a huge concept. Um, it's, it's hard for us to get any traction with that. 
So this is how the, this is how the Holy Spirit, he says, he, says, he says, explain it this way. Teach it this way. Show it to them this way, okay? He says, just take one part of the glory of the Lord. And, and instead of trying to take the whole enchilada, take a piece of it out, okay? And, and, and so this, this is how he showed me. He said, he said to, to use the glory of the Lord as it relates to his righteousness, okay? Now, stay with me, all right? As it relates to his righteousness and use that to, to help people connect with how beholding it in a mirror will actually give place to the Holy Spirit to bring the inward righteousness out from them as an expression of life. Okay? So, I, I, see, um, it, I'm not going to broadcast it, but my son gave his fiance her graduation present last night, and it was a nice gift. He's, he's, he's awesome. I, I said when he was a little kid, because he puts so much thought in the gifts that he gives, um, I looked at Pam one, one, I forget what he had given her, and I looked at Pam, I said, he's going to make somebody a good husband one day. <laughs> I'm just telling you, right? Because he puts a lot of thought um, in, in, into, in, into the gifts and, and, um, and, and, and that sort of thing. And I have no idea why I was about to say that. So, praise God. There was some tie-in, but it just, oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. Um, so his original plan, she doesn't actually have, she's finished, but she doesn't have her graduation ceremony until a week from Friday. And so he got the gift yesterday. And I was all excited about being there when he gave it to her. And he's like, Dad, I think I'm just going to go ahead and give it to her tonight. Okay, because I knew I wouldn't be there when he gave it to her. So I said, well, just take a picture, you know, when you give it to her. So, um, so I could sit on some of this till next Sunday, and, I mean, until next Wednesday and just be so excited about it the whole time. But I, I got to, there's one part of this that I want, can you just, okay, all right. I could have already done it if I'd have hushed, right? So, the, Romans 1 and 17. We'll come back. I'll go through this fast and we'll come back, maybe spend some more time with it next Wednesday. It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed, the righteousness of God is revealed, the righteousness of God is revealed. How is it revealed? It's revealed from faith to faith that it is written, the just shall live by faith. So to reveal, guess what it means? It means to remove a veil or covering. Remember, unveil face. To remove a veil or covering, to expose, to open view what is hidden underneath. To expose, to open view what is hidden underneath. And so how is the righteousness of God revealed? It's revealed from faith to faith. But now remember, we're not just talking about the righteousness of God as it's revealed in Jesus. We're talking about as it was um, exemplified in Jesus, but he's talking about the righteousness of God that you've become an inward reality of the new birth because he has made you his righteousness. He has given you his gift of righteousness. And we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. King James Version says that as might be made, be made. So it's not, it's not that you're becoming righteous at the inward reality of the new birth. It's that you've been made righteous, okay? 
So we have been made, past tense, the righteous of God in Christ. Our righteousness is being revealed, remember, from faith to faith. One level of faith to the next and faith by hearing. So it would be wrong to think of it this way. We are not becoming more righteous. If you are born again, it is impossible to become any more righteous than you are right now. Inward reality of the new birth. The same is true of your freedom and so many other things. Amen. We are learning how to let the inward reality of our righteousness and freedom become an outward expression of life. I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. Nor some aren't aware. Some have no perception of this reality of righteousness. Paul said it this way of the Israelites. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Because they're ignorant of the righteousness that is available to them, they're struggling to make themselves right instead of submitting to and receiving the gift of righteousness that Father God has extended to them. Are you still with me? So awake to righteousness is not the same as what so many people hear from the pulpits these days, which is, be righteous. Be righteous. You need to be righteous. You need to be more righteous. You need to be even more righteous. If you have any snowball's chance of ever making it into heaven, you better be more righteous than you are right now. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, get born again, be made righteous, and then awake to it. See, awakening to something means your eyes being open to see what's already there. When you look into the mirror, what do you see? You see a reflection of yourself. But which of the three images do you see? See, that, that's the question right there. Do you see the one that you're trying to present to the world that you want everybody to, to see? Do you see yourself as, as you see yourself or your self-image? Or do you see yourself as you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? All right. Now, The unveiled face corresponds with the unveiling of our true image, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. We are using the unveiling of our true righteousness as an example and a place to start, but there is far more to the inward reality of your new birth than righteousness. Are you with me? That's what I was trying to say a while ago. It's far more to the inward reality, but righteousness is an important part of it. So we're just focusing on that one little bit so we can ultimately get some ground to see the whole picture. So we're talking about the inward reality of the new birth becoming outward expression of life. Righteousness is one of the inward realities of the new birth, but far from the only one. So whose righteousness have we become? We have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you staying with me? Am I going too fast? Now, Jesus' righteousness, this is what I wanted to get to right here. Jesus' righteousness is part of Jesus' glory. It's not our glory. It's not our boast. It's His glory. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So remember, we're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is a huge subject. Matter of fact, let me tell you how big it is. Are you ready? It's all that God is. It's all that God has. And it's all that God can do. That's the glory of God. (laughs) Okay? So He's saying the glory of the Lord. So again, isolating out of that, his righteousness. He is a righteous God. Jesus lived a righteous life as a sinless man on planet earth. 
That's his glory. That's his boast. That's why he is exalted and king of kings and lord of lords. No one ever humbled himself the way he humbled himself. No one ever did what he did. And no one's ever has been or will be exalted as high as he has been exalted. He's got a name above every name because of this, right? So it's not ours to boast about. But what is he saying? He's saying that we are to see ourselves. Seeing the Lord's glory when you look in a mirror is not the same as seeing His glory on display in the Scriptures that reveal His works of wisdom and power. See, you can see His righteousness in this book. You can see it on the pages here. Seeing it on the pages here is not the same as seeing it on you when you look in the mirror. All right, here is, again, did I say the Holy Spirit's genius? Okay, so I'm going to show you four photographs. They almost don't need commentary, okay, but amen. So here is my grandson Oliver in my lap. And I don't think, I'm going to stretch this to fit, okay? Full disclosure, um, that's not a Buzz Lightyear book, but I want you just to pretend for a moment that that's a book about Buzz Lightyear, okay? And so he is reading and studying and learning about Buzz Lightyear, okay? And so this is a picture of him. If you can see, he's got on his Toy Story Buzz Lightyear boots. He's got on his shirt that's got Buzz and Woody and, and some of the other characters on it because, you know, as a two-year-old, he, he uh, liked that stuff, okay? He, he was into it. Kind of like a lot of folks like the things of God and buy the T-shirt and maybe wear the bracelet, get the cap, right? Maybe even get you some, you know, some cowboy boots, right? I, 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 uh, my son has some snakeskin boots, and I guess that's treading on serpents. I don't know, you know. So, so we, 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 we got the look, right? We, 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 got, we got the look, right? So, so he's a fan of Buzz Lightyear. Notice he's read about him in the book, okay? He's got the T-shirt on. But none of that's transformed him yet. Okay? My daughter took it one step further. See, there he is. Now, I got one more. Are you ready? He's seeing himself now. He's looking into a mirror and he's seeing himself as Buzz Lightyear. Not just something he's reading about in a book. It's not just something he's put on a t-shirt. It's not just some image that he has in his mind. But now he's seeing himself. Stand with me. Praise God. Praise God. Is this making sense to you now? Okay, all right, I tried to bite off way more than I could chew tonight, but I wanted to get to that part. I felt like I needed to get to that part. Okay, so what's the point? Looking in here and seeing Jesus' righteousness in Jesus' life on this earth is important, but it's not what he's talking about in this verse. He's talking about you looking into the mirror and seeing not his righteousness on the pages of this book, but his righteousness on you, an outward expression of an inward reality. Father, thank you for helping us tonight.
Thank you for showing us tonight. Thank you for, Lord, these, these verses, Father. They, it's, it's like anything, Father, spiritually discerned. We, we, never, we never understand any of this without your Holy Spirit, Father. But he's here. He's with us. He's helping us. He's showing us, Lord. He's bringing treasure out of our earthen vessels, Father, to make a difference in our lives and in the world around us. Spring up, O oh well. The river of life gushing, rushing through us into a dry and parched land around us. Healing the sick, setting the captive free, open the blinded eyes both spiritually and, and literally, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, imitating you, Father. See, Jesus is to see you. And that's exactly what Jesus did on this earth as a man. How can we ever imitate you by settling for service projects? A form of godliness and denying the power. Not us, Father. Not us. Live in us. Be welcome to live with us. But Father, our heart's desire is that you live through us. That you live through us. Transform us into that. Transform us outwardly, Father, into the image you've already put in us inwardly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You get anything out of this tonight? All right, thank you so much for being here. I love you, I love you, I love you. Good things coming. I'll see some of you in the morning. I'll see the rest of you on Sunday. Praise God.